0: Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo, and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre, and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips, and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story, or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or, if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Holly Hill is an author who gained notoriety after writing her controversial book Sugar Babe about her experience finding a sugar daddy. Facing bankruptcy, Holly posted an advertisement online for a sugar daddy, describing herself as an attractive, educated, well-spoken 35-year-old professional woman who loves sex, gives great massage, can provide gourmet meals and above all requires a generous weekly allowance in return for all of the above of $1,000. Following on from the controversial path blazed by Sugar Babe, Holly holds nothing back in her new book. This time, Holly advertises for a toy boy, which is also the name of the book, to service her, and she will pay him to cook for her in her own apartment, give her afternoon tea, and sometimes have sex. In other words, she's reversed the roles. And now, Holly is planning a third book, this time geared for women, about women. So Holly, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Valerie. Now, Sugar Babe has received hundreds of reviews and has been labelled as a social experiment, and I mean, an amazing book. Do you agree? Is, is, was it a social experiment to you? It it wasn't
1: really. Whilst Toy Boy was definitely a social experiment, Mm-mm. Sugar Babe wasn't nearly so deliberate. Uh, it was very much events as they occurred. So. The word experiment implies that I manipulated, I guess, the, the variables around me and Sugar Bay wasn't like that at all. It was more like a roller coaster ride that uh, was so extraordinary that I, I felt the need to, to write down
0: what was occurring. Sure. So then you followed it up with Toy Boy, which, of, yes, as you say, is a social experiment. Why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to go through that experience with Toy Boy?
1: I guess, you know, as a journalist and perhaps even as a psychologist, you you need to look at both sides of the coin, I guess. And so I I wanted to explore the other other side of the equation. I wanted to see if it was possible for for women to hire men for sex in the same way that men hire women. Mm. And there were a lot of shocks in that. And... My my own experience was that women can't hire men for sex. It makes us feel quite uncomfortable, as, as is told in Toy Boy.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, back to Sugar Babe, are you glad that you, you know, all that time ago, you took your friend's recommendation and advertised for a Sugar Daddy?
1: Absolutely. I don't have a single regret in my life because even my have made me the person I am today you know I, I have a shattered leg for example and you know people say well you can't run and you can't jump and but I would undo my leg because you know out of that being on crutches for two years I learned things like empathy and uh, so even even my mistakes have been very much learning experiences and Uh, So Sugar Babe was definitely that, and I'm so glad it happened to me because I think I'm a much better person now for doing it.
0: And what was the most surprising part of that journey?
1: I guess the most surprising part of the journey was what I discovered about men. Um nice. like many women I had always blamed myself for if they cheated on me or if relationships broke up I thought it was because I was too fat or too ugly or or too something mm. whereas usually it it's it's not about us it's it's about the man and so I discovered that men are far more uh, chemically driven than women are. And they're, you know even though they've been telling us this for centuries, um, I don't think women fully understand the extent to which men are driven by the sexual urge.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did it feel, actually, like the first... You know, a few times that it all happened when you were, you know, providing services for a man, and you know, by this I mean sex. So, and 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 you know, cooking meals and just being there. How did and and then again, how did it feel when the roles were reversed?
1: See, it was that in itself was amazing because mm. I had always I'd had the country girl upbringing, and the first sexual experience that I related in Sugar Babe. Uh, you, know, I'd and, mm. uh, you know I just received a thousand dollars, and uh you know i had to take my clothes off with the man I, I scarcely knew and to be honest, it was extraordinarily liberating it was empowering um I felt gorgeous uh I felt in control mm. um and you don't often get those feelings in a in a normal i guess in vanilla relationship in, mm. in inverted commas. um so it was it busted a whole heap of myths that I think women are fed to keep us under the thumb, <laughs> and that that women have a very very powerful uh, tool between their legs, and you know one of the reasons that you know men like us at home looking after the kids is is so that we we aren't as powerful as perhaps sex workers are and and women that um, uh, give away their their sex more freely.
0: Mm-mm. And then the roles were reversed. So how did that feel? And, well, that was the other surprise in that whilst I found
1: it empowering to be in the sex worker role, I found it terribly disempowering to to hire a sex worker, which, in fact, my toy boys were. Right. Um, As soon as I handed over the money... I felt as if they were in control. They were the ones that had my hard-earned dollars. Right. And it was it was terribly disempowering. And I certainly felt very awkward in, in that role.
0: Was it a surprise that it felt disempowering? Did you think you were going to feel empowered?
1: Yeah, it was a huge surprise. You know, I, I think every woman perhaps has a secret fantasy to be able to to pay a man and to say, well, I want you to do A, B and C. and and, But it doesn't really work like that. I, I don't think it's in women's natures to uh, to, to be uh, that explicit, perhaps, about their needs. And that is where we can learn from experiences like this. And perhaps we should start being more explicit um, and try and break out of our conditioning a little bit because we, we have been conditioned to to be the takers, uh, you know, uh, as far as sex is concerned, and, and perhaps we should do some of the taking.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, what has been the response, firstly, to Sugar Babe? Do you know, you, you talk about men cheating just because that's their biological instinct. Do you, has, have you ever heard from any women thinking that this thought was actually a bit of a comfort, or what, what's been the response generally for Sugar Babe?
1: The response has been extraordinarily positive. I have hundreds of fan mail letters from women that have written to me and said, ''Thank you so much.'' I thought our breakup of our relationship was all about me or I thought that his cheating was all about me when, in fact, it was, it was all about him. And so I, I've had an extraordinarily grateful audience that, um, you know, feel liberated and empowered and, and they understand their partners a little bit more.
0: And what kind of response were you expecting, though? Were you expecting that response or did you not know? Because, you know, it's a controversial topic. What were you expecting?
1: Well, I was, to be honest, I was expecting you know, it, it is unsavoury to say, you know, to say that you know, basically say that men are sex maniacs, which is kind of what I said. And uh I really expected to be spat on the street almost. You know, it, is, it is hard news. It, and, it's, you know, especially the, the, you know, women are brought up to, to have expectations of lifetime sexual exclusivity. And mm. when we discover that men aren't really hard, hardwired to provide that, it's a horrible shock. And it, it, I really did think I would get a, a very negative reaction when, in fact, it's been quite the reverse. Um, I even had a look at a site to, on the nursing mother's site and uh, there was a big debate in, in one of the blogs about, you know, how their husbands are, you know, they're not having sex with their husbands and their husbands are cheating. And and uh, one woman suggested, look, read Sugar Babe. It's, it's not about it's not about you, it's, it's about, you know, him and he has needs just like every other man.
0: Mm. And did you think this or suspect this, you know, being, you know, your work with psychology and everything before the experience and this just affirmed it, or did you think something else?
1: Absolutely not. I, I guess I wanted to think of men as these, you know, wonderful, loving creatures that would gladly offer, you know, lifetime sexual exclusivity. Mm. I had all the fairy tales in mind and, uh, Whereas the fairy tales are all getting busted now, even you know, even advertising are saying things like you know, forever is overrated, and apparently some of the younger generations don't consider marriage to be a lifetime commitment at all, which mm. is quite a, quite sad, really. And and I guess that's why I'm I still am seeking a m- way to make lifetime relationships work, and I suspect negotiated infidelity is one of the only ways that will be accomplished. Really. Yeah, it's there. There seems to be two types of, of uh, views on this. You can either have uh, lots of short-term marriages. Um, usually, the the time is about seven years. Um, even there's a even Germany is looking at making marriage contracts a seven-year term. Wow. Or if you do want a lifetime commitment, a lifetime relationship, which I still very firmly believe in. The way to do it is, is to negotiate some infidelity. Um, there's a saying, well, you know, that I've, I've coined, it's better to the dog on a leash than let it escape through a hole in the back fence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so by the end of Toy Boy, like, you know, you kind of have a situation where you chose Antoine who cooks for you, pays for you, seems to be your perfect man. You know, does, does it kind of mean that you, at the end of that journey you actually decided you you know you did want that that fairy tale i
1: guess it, it isn't a, the fairy tale ending in, in that we we i'm still with the the character that's called anton mm, mm. and um so it it you know it isn't the fairy tale ending we, we are living a life of negotiated infidelity and there has been tremendous hurdles living that life right. um so it wasn't the fairy tale ending, but because they were true stories, I didn't get to pick the ending, and <laughs> uh, the ending found me and. You know, we've moved in together, and you know, we're living the the life that I I suggest. Because you know, if otherwise, I'd be a hypocrite. And mm. if I if I gave it any other lot, you know, ending, I would also be a liar. And I think my honesty in my work is is one of the the positives, and mm. it uh, it's essential that I am honest, even though it may not be the ending that everyone would like. Mm.
0: And now you're writing or you're researching a third book, I understand. Is this going to be a social experiment as well?
1: Yes, it's definitely a a social experiment. I I guess uh, my partner and I consider ourselves the groundbreakers of our generation, really. We are putting ourselves through trials and tribulations, perhaps so that... You know his daughters, for example, get to have you know easier relationships than than many women in my generation have had.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: so we see ourselves as the trailblazers and and hopefully the mistakes we made and can, will continue to make um, can assist other people not to to make the same mistakes and they can learn from our experiences.
0: So can you tell us what your third book's going to be about?
1: The third book is very much about women um, and it's it's about how it feels to relinquish monogamy mm. um, and again there's there's some extraordinary, extraordinary myths that are being busted. Um, for example um, you know a woman who controls who her partner does and doesn't have sex with is far more powerful than a monogamous woman waiting for him to come home. Mm. So that in itself is, is an extraordinarily liberating, empowering thing mm. um, because men are such sexual creatures. So uh, a woman who has relinquished monogamy in, in the relationship and does walk the dog on a leash, in inverted commas, mm. is, is a very powerful woman. And I don't think we're going to achieve true equality until women are prepared to do that.
0: Mm. and have some people you know spat at you on the street, or have you received some negative feedback for what you've written
1: um no i i'm I've, again it, it's something that amazes me you know there there has been some disappointment, I guess in the ending of Toy Boy in the fact that I did settle down with a man mm. um but I needed to settle down with a man in order to, to fully test my hypotheses about the empowerment of women. And so life gave me exactly what I needed. And so the, the, the negative publicity has been very limited, and, and surprisingly so, I guess, because it, it is an unpalatable message for many women that I'm, I'm suggesting.
0: Mm, but also for Sugar Babe, when, you know, when that came out, was there a negative response that you were dealing with?
1: Um, interestingly enough, no. Really? perhaps it also didn't filter through to me. Mm. Um I guess the most negative I received is, you know, how can you possibly be a sex worker? Yeah. And uh, you know, how can you how can you possibly, you know, pay you know, be paid for sex and, you know, well I certainly don't want to charge my friends for sex, do I? So <laughs> you know, Um, i I'll have to charge strangers. But uh that was probably the the only negative thing. People were were surprised that right. you know a woman with a psychology degree would debase, in inverted commas herself in that way, and mm. uh, so that was the main problem I guess that people perceived with the books. Yeah.
0: Well, with Toy Boy, it was obviously premeditated in that you had were going you were going to write about it. But with Sugar Babe, at what point in the journey did it occur to you? Oh, I might. You know, actually write about this experience?
1: I kept a diary throughout the entire experience. So I wrote, you know, pretty much from the word go. Carthesis is a, is a huge part of my work in my treatment of depression, in particular, in that if, if someone has disordered thoughts um, or mind chatter, uh, some psychologists call it, uh, it's, it's better to write them down and that way you don't think the same disordered thoughts over and over again. You, you've set it in stone. So mm. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't apply my own technique for disordered thinking to myself, and so I wrote throughout. And it was there was actually a, a huge argument with my my editor because the the book was originally in diary form, mm. and she wanted to change it into the chapters that it, it, it is today. And right. I was very miffed about that. I, I didn't want to to lose the diary format at all, and. Uh, but she ended up convincing me, and, and I'm I'm glad perhaps now that that it isn't in in, in diary form. But yeah, it was something I, I did. I wrote throughout, and I guess that's why it's so real. It's it's so extraordinarily honest because it was. I was writing it. You know, the man would leave, and I'd get on the computer and just go and just <sighs> you know spill it all out. Mm.
0: And why did you want to keep it in the diary form? I guess I I, I liked the
1: the personalized you know it was me talking to the computer more than anything Mm. um and uh you know i like a diary i you know i I've, I've always kept a diary in my life especially in the you know the times when my life is particularly challenging mm. and uh so i guess it, I, I like a lot of writers you, you kind of have ownership of something so personal and, and uh, i didn't want them to depersonalize it if you like
0: mm. and when you first approached publishers with your first you know um draft uh was there immediate appeal to them? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess that was one of
1: the extraordinary things where um, I, I first approached agents and I really did, you know, select the two first agents within walking distance of, of my unit because at that <gasps> stage I couldn't afford to, uh, to to drive or travel anywhere and I was called, both agents called me within three days of, of receiving um, my manuscript. Mm. Uh, but... That is, a, is rare, um, but if you do have an exceptional uh, story, you will be contacted within days mm. of, of submitting your manuscript. It's, it's the ones that are, have been written before that get put on the pile and, and don't get processed mm. for three months.
0: Had you um, submitted a book before or written a book before? Yes, I had gone through the process. I uh my father
1: was murdered and so I did the same thing really. The the it was so extraordinary going to courts and and identifying the body and and going through the whole experience that once again I kept a, a diary and uh I tried to get that published, but unfortunately, you know, people's fathers are murdered everywhere and Mm. um, it it just wasn't a, a, you know, a a, a unique enough storyline. And um, even though it was very, very close to my heart, but perhaps that will be something that will be published later in my life anyway, you know, now that I, you know, people are are interested in my background. Yeah. Sure.
0: And do you write full time now or do you do other work?
1: No, um, apparently I was at a, a writer's thing for Random House not so long ago and I was told that only five Australian authors get to quit their day jobs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, there, there is very little money in, in being an author and so unfortunately, just like everyone else, I have a day job and uh, I am very grateful
0: for it. And is your day job in psychology?
1: No, my day job is in – I do technical writing. Um, Psychology, I I try and stay away from a little bit in that I'm almost a maverick as far as the psychological profession is concerned in that I have a very different way of, of viewing relationships. For example, I think that relationships don't fail. They just change and that if I had a dysfunctional couple whose lives had changed, I would probably suggest that they, they call it quits rather than, you know, flogging a dead horse in front of their poor children. Mm.
0: And was it always the intention from the outset to write under a pseudonym?
1: Yes, I I, I originally did the pseudonym to uh, protect some of the, the gentlemen in Sugar Babe. Mm. One in particular had uh, told his cousin or some some person you know that was uh, lived in my hometown and uh, i didn 't want to blow his cover, so to speak, so uh the pseudonym was really to protect them but since then i 've become quite attached to it and uh so i i, I use it in social circles quite often, and uh, I have a whole lot of new friends who who know me as holly <laughs> and uh it 's kind of fun to have to have two personas and uh So I I enjoy having the pseudonym and I I almost have, you know, two different uh, personalities now, which is is a lot
0: of fun. Can you describe the two different personalities? Yeah, well, I (laughs) guess
1: uh, Holly is is outgoing and sexy and uh, very flirtatious and... uh, Lots of fun, whereas uh, Jenny is, uh, is a professional who's very dedicated to her day job and uh, would never be flirtatious at work, and uh, she's a lot more conservative than Holly. So I, I get to be two people in one, and, mm. and that's a lot of fun.
0: So 10 years ago, or, or you know a while ago, would you ever have thought that you would have done this? Absolutely not. <laughs> Ten years ago, I thought I'd
1: probably be married by now with 2.1 children, a picket fence and a huge superannuation waiting for me when I die. <laughs> and instead, it's quite the reverse. I'm, I'm determined, you know, not to have the children and uh, the collection of superannuation is very much to be desired. but uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, collecting money, well, you know, when, when you reach your old age it isn't really my cup of tea.
0: <laughs> so is your plan to continue writing social experiment type of books or are you interested in, you know, exploring fiction or something like that at some point?
1: Uh, No, I will continue to explore. You know, I I see myself very much as as the representative for for women in particular and most women don't get to do the things that I get to do. So I'm doing them on on women's behalf and, Mm. you know, perhaps if if there's a brave new world out there and, and, you know, women have true equality, I, I may not have to do this for very, you know, continue doing this. But until women do become equal and until women... Uh, are, are more empowered and, and uh, you know in, you know not getting cheated on i'll continue to to conduct experiments on their behalf
0: this um desire to you know empower women um has that always been there like you know in your own personal life from many years or is that only something that you've come to recently
1: I was very lucky to have a, a mother who was a very strong feminist and I, I saw the beauty of a powerful woman. You know, she she brought us up on a shoestring. Um, she didn't take handouts. Uh, we were always encouraged to to be independent. Uh, we were practically you know kicked out of home as soon as we got jobs. And uh, it was something that I very much admired. And when I compared my mum to say you know a woman who's Husband is going out every night, um, perhaps cheating, uh, and then, you know, I I feel sorry for those women, and I guess, and I think it's occurring a lot. Mm. Um, You know, I was looking at some statistics the other day, and uh, I think it's uh, 25% of all search engine requests are pornographic. So even if Mm. men aren't being physically. Monogamous, they're 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 not mentally monogamous, and um, so we need to change the women's viewpoint of, of monogamy. Mm.
0: What's the what was the best thing about um, you know basically discovering a, a new career as an author?
1: I guess it was the fact that I can actually help people. Mm-hmm. I think that above all is is such a wonderful feeling to to have someone write a letter and say. My book sits on my bedside table every day and because of it, I am, am uh, having better relationships, I, I'm stronger, I'm empowered. I, I feel beautiful and, and I, I love being a woman and, and to help just one person like that is, is the most amazingly good feeling. It, it, it just blows me away that I can actually help people on that
0: mm. And what's the most challenging thing about the writing process that you've discovered
1: I guess because I write uh I guess I, call, I keep calling it reality fiction <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's, it's hard sometimes I I do wild things and there's this little thing in the back of my head saying am I only doing this for the book
0: yeah so if,
1: mm-hmm. if if I was living my life normally would I be doing some mm-hmm. of these things and but yeah. so that's See, you know, so seeds of doubt as to to why I, I'm doing things, and mm. but I guess the way I came to terms with that is it doesn't really matter why we do things. the The main thing is the results and and the lessons that you get out of that, whether they're good or bad, and they shape you as a person. and if we kept trying to puzzle out the why's, we'd probably go crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: And finally, what would your advice be to other people who, you know, want to want to do what you've done and, and basically write?
1: I would suggest writing something that's that's close to their hearts, and and you know to something that's real uh but it, it has to be interesting and it has to be unique mm. um it, it is very difficult to get into publishing these days um non-fiction does a lot better than uh fiction and in fact a lot of the agents i understand don't even accept fiction anymore um they're after non-fiction people want to you know it's, it's the age of reality you know when we have the internet and People pasting pornographic pictures of themselves and and having blogs about you know their real lives. We we need to to respond accordingly. And, and people want to know the truth. They don't want to know fanciful stories anymore because the truth is is so much more extraordinary than anything we can make up.
0: Mm. It comes back to the old adage, isn't it? You mean write what you know.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm. Write what you know and. Uh, and, and live an, an interesting life and be brave and be courageous. And, uh, you know, if, if you live a brave life and, you know, to gra- grasp every opportunity that comes your way, you'll probably end up with an interesting book in you. Mm,
0: wonderful. And on that note, thank you very much for your time, Holly. Thanks very much, Dari. Thank you for having me. ValerieKoo.com That's ValerieKoo K-H-O-O .com Thank you for listening.